reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, don't, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship together. Appreciate our brothers who have been leading us in worship. It's a beautiful day that God has given to us, and what better way to use it than by coming together as the body of Christ, coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and giving to God the glory, the honor, and the praise that's due His name. Thank you for being intentional about that. Thank you for making that a part of your week. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke, the 10th chapter. Luke chapter 10, and together we're going to be studying in verses 38 through 42. If you'd like to join me there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, looking at verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. As we read just a moment ago, Luke records that as they went on their way, they of course, talking about Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and his apostles, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Whenever you study in the Gospel of Luke, whenever you consider the Gospel of Luke, it can basically be divided into three different parts. If you're looking at it from a 3,000 foot view, the first part goes from Luke chapter 1 and verse 1 all the way to Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. This details not only Jesus' birth, not only Jesus' childhood, but also His ministry in the region of Galilee. But then you come to Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, just a few verses back from where we are here at the end of Luke chapter 10, and you find in that moment where Jesus set His face to go to Jerusalem. That's the direction that Jesus is going. Jesus began journeying in that direction towards the city of Jerusalem. That lasts from Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 all the way to about midway through Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, what we oftentimes call the triumphal entry, what many are thinking about today is Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem beginning the last week of his life. We know, of course, that last week ends, it culminates in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then Luke ends in the 24th chapter of his book by talking about the ascension of Jesus, how Jesus ascended to God's right hand. But if you go back to Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, and you think about that in relation to Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to the city of Jerusalem. That's where he set his face. That's the direction where they're traveling. And as they're on that journey, the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples enter into a particular village. Whenever they 
they enter into this particular village, the Bible records that a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Martha is the older sister of a lady named Mary. Those are the two of the main characters who we're going to be talking about this morning at the end of Luke chapter 10. Jesus is the visiting preacher who's coming into town. But even more than that, Jesus is the Lord. He's the Christ. We know that He's more than just a teacher or a preacher. Jesus is the very Son of God. So when Jesus enters into this village, Martha extends great hospitality to Him. Martha invites Him to come into her house. She wants to serve Him as His host. She wants to take Jesus underneath her roof and to spend a little bit more time with Him. She invites Jesus into her house. But then did you notice what she did just two verses later in Luke chapter 10 and verse 40? The Bible says, but Martha was distracted. If you're reading out of an older translation like the King James Version, it says that Martha was cumbered. Here Martha invites Jesus to come into her house. She wants to spend more time with Jesus. She invites Jesus to come underneath her roof, but then very quickly and very easily becomes distracted from Jesus. Do you know what it's like to be distracted? Have you ever been distracted before? I remember whenever I was about six years old, it was my one and only season of soccer. I was never really good at soccer. Never really liked to play soccer. The only reason that I played soccer this one particular season is because my best friend at the time was on the team and I just wanted to be on the team with him. He actually went on to play soccer at Trevecca University in Nashville and had a pretty successful career. In one particular game during that season, the coach put me in at goalie. It kind of goes without saying that the goalie's supposed to pay attention to the game, right? You're supposed to stop the other team from scoring. I think that makes some pretty good sense. Well, behind me, of course, as the goalie was the goal. Behind the goal was a chain-link fence. And behind that chain-link fence, there was standing about a 16-year-old girl. Whenever I caught sight of her, it was a complete 180. I turned all the way around. Now my back is facing the game. My back is facing what's going on in the action. I'm looking through the holes in the net, which line up with the holes in the fence, looking at this 16-year-old girl. Well, when we finally made eye contact, I started to wave. She waved back at me. And from that moment forward, I didn't see another minute of that game. (laughs) Eventually, the coach saw what was going on. He ended up pulling me out of the game. The point is, even at a very young age, I know what it's like to be distracted. What about you? Maybe it's during school, whenever the teacher is up lecturing about who knows what, talking about science or social studies or math, and it just so happens that watching the paint on the wall is just a little bit more interesting. You're distracted from what your teacher is saying. Maybe it's when you're working on homework and flipping around your pencil and your fingers is more interesting than actually working on your homework. Maybe it's at work. You get a text message or you get an email, a notification that comes across your phone and that distracts you for a good five or ten minutes from what you're supposed to be doing at work. I would say to varying degrees, we all know what it's like to be distracted. But think about Martha here in Luke chapter 10. She's not distracted from work. She's not distracted from school. She's not distracted 
from what she's supposed to be doing on a daily basis, here we have Martha being distracted from Jesus. She invites Jesus into her house. She takes Jesus under her roof and then very quickly and easily becomes distracted from Him. Have you ever been there? As Christians, we invite Jesus into our lives. We invite Jesus into our hearts. We invite Jesus into the very depths of who we are. And then it just so happens that so easily and quickly we become distracted from Him. We invite Jesus into our lives. And then so quickly and easily as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we lose sight of who we're supposed to be. We lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. We invite Jesus into our homes and then like Martha, become so easily distracted from Him. What causes that to happen? What causes us to so easily be distracted from Jesus? Maybe sometimes it's worldliness. Maybe sometimes we're distracted from Jesus because we allow sin to creep into our lives. We allow sin to dominate our lives. Consider for just a minute what the New Testament has to say about worldliness. In 1 John, the second chapter, verses 15 and 16, John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to tell you why you shouldn't love the world or the things in the world. He says, if anyone loves the world then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. John says don't love the world because when you love the world, you can't love God. He says if you love the things that are in the world, which he puts into three categories, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, he says when you're loving those things and pursuing those things, you can't love and pursue the Father. The love of the Father is not going to be in you. James makes the same point by asking a question in chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, do you not know? As if this is something that we should know. This is something that should be common sense to us as Christians. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If I want to be a friend of the world, I become an enemy of God. And if I want to be a friend of God, I become an enemy of the sins and wickedness that we find in the world. Jesus Himself said it in Matthew 6 and verse 24 that no man, no one, that includes you, that includes me. He's not just talking about some people here. No, He says no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's what He's talking about in that context. But I believe you could fill in the blank there at the end of verse 24 with anything. You can't serve God plus something else. You can't have two number one priorities in your life. So maybe sometimes we so easily and quickly become distracted from Jesus because of worldliness. Because we allow sin to creep into our lives, to overtake our lives, to dominate our lives. Whenever we're focused on the world, we're going to be distracted from Jesus. And whenever we're focused on Jesus, we're going to be distracted from the world. And that might be where you are this morning. 
It might be the case that this morning you're distracted from Jesus and it's because you've allowed worldliness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life to work its way into your life. But I want you to notice in Luke chapter 10, that's not Martha's problem. We said that Martha was distracted from Jesus in Luke chapter 10, but it's not because of worldliness. It's not because of sin. Well, maybe sometimes we're distracted from Jesus because of selfishness. We become distracted from Jesus because we become so focused on ourselves and my life is all about me. My life is all about what I want. How do we spend our time throughout the week? I'm thinking about myself here. So often, instead of reaching for our Bibles, we reach for our phones, iPads, laptops, and we spend several hours there. Instead of sitting down to pray and spending time talking to the Father, we sit down in front of the TV and once again spend a lot of time there. Instead of reaching out to serve other people, sometimes we become so self-centric. Instead of reaching out to serve others, we only think about serving ourselves and taking care of our needs and taking care of our wants. Instead of talking to other people about Jesus, we talk to people about what we want to talk about. We talk about the game last night. We talk about what we did over spring break. We talked about the, the, the things that we're involved in in life. Instead of taking our families and driving them to worship, we drive them to the movie theater or to the bowling alley or to a sporting event to do the things that we want to do and go the places where we want to go. What does Jesus say about that? Well, if you go back just one chapter to Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23, Jesus says this. He says, if anyone would come after me, In other words, Jesus says, here's the direction that I'm going. If you want to come after me, then there are some things that you have to do. He says, first, let him deny himself. Sometimes we're not very good at that. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me in my direction, then there are some things in your life that you're going to have to deny yourself of. He says, there's some things that you're going to want. There's some things that you're going to desire more than anything else. And you're going to have to say no to those things in order to follow after me. Is that where it ends? I just deny myself? Well, no, Jesus says that when we deny ourselves, then the next next step is to take up our cross daily. Notice this isn't something that just happens on Sundays. This isn't something that just happens on certain days throughout the week or whenever I'm around certain people. Jesus says you take up your cross every single day. Back in this time, the cross was not a symbol of victory. The cross was not a symbol of love in the first century like it is today. In the first century, when they heard the word cross, they thought about crucifixion. They thought about execution. They thought about punishment and death. So Jesus says, look, here's where I'm going. And if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself of things that you want. You have to pick up your cross every day. You have to have such an obedience to me, such a dedication to me, that you'd be willing to give your life for me. And then he says, you're ready to follow after me. The problem with that sometimes is that we sometimes invite Jesus to follow us instead of us following after Him. Our lives become all about ourselves instead of our lives being about Jesus. When you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, Paul talks about those who will be lovers of themselves. I wonder if we ever fit into that category. 
Because if you aren't careful, your life becomes all about you. And whenever your life becomes all about you, you're going to find yourself in a spot where you're distracted from Jesus and maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a spot this morning where I'm distracted from Jesus and it's because I'm so focused on me. I'm not thinking about His will. I'm thinking about my will. I'm distracted from Jesus as a result of my own selfishness. That might be the case for some of us this morning. But look again at Luke chapter 10 and notice that's not the case for Martha. Martha's distracted from Jesus, but it's not because of selfishness. It's not because she's only thinking about herself. Well, option number three, maybe sometimes we're distracted from Jesus because of busyness. Maybe sometimes we're distracted from the Lord because of how busy our lives become. I think that's the problem with Martha. When you go back to Luke chapter 10 and verse number 40, notice that the Bible says that Martha was distracted, but also tells us why. She was distracted with much serving. Can you picture her situation? Can you relate to how she would have felt? She's invited the visiting preacher. She's invited the Lord, the Christ, the Son of God to come into her house. And she wants to be a perfect host. She wants everything to go perfectly. So we might picture it today, Martha with her apron on. And she's running around the house like a chicken with her head cut off. Everything has to be spotless clean. And everything has to be in its place. While at the same time, she's trying to cook and prepare a meal for Jesus and His disciples because they've been traveling around all over the place. No telling when they had their last home-cooked meal. And so she's trying to cook and she's trying to clean and she's trying to make everything perfect for Jesus. She becomes very busy in this moment. And it's because of her busyness that she becomes distracted from Jesus. Martha's distracted from Jesus, but it's not because of worldliness. It's not because she's allowed sin to creep into her life. It's not because she's only focused on herself. In what she's doing, she's thinking about herself last. She's thinking about everybody else. She's thinking about the guest who she's invited into her house. She's distracted from Jesus because of the busyness of the moment. And Luke describes to us how she felt when she became busy and she has all of these things to accomplish and she's distracted from Jesus. Luke describes to us what her life looks like. First, in verse 40, she felt like she was completely alone. She has this long list of things to do. She has all of these things to accomplish and nobody to help her. She's busy, she's distracted, thinking, I have to do all of this by myself. Jesus points out to her in verse 41 that she is anxious. Because she's so busy, her heart is filled with worry. Her heart is filled with anxiety. And then again in verse 41, Jesus says that she's troubled, not about some things, but about many things. Martha is completely overwhelmed in this situation. She's overwhelmed because of how busy her life is. And so when we think about Martha, she's distracted from Jesus, but it's not because of worldliness. It's not because of selfishness. It's because of busyness. And that was having a direct impact on her life. She felt like she was alone. She was anxious and she was troubled about many things. Can you relate to that this morning? Do you find yourself in a similar spot this morning where you're distracted from Jesus? And it's not because of worldliness. 
It's not because you've allowed sin to enter into your life. You're distracted from Jesus, but it's not because of selfishness. It's not because you become fully focused on yourself and you're only thinking about what you want. Could it be the case that some of us this morning are distracted from Jesus and it's simply because of how busy life is in the present moment? Life is busy, isn't it? I know that your life is busy. I know that you have a lot to do. You have a lot to accomplish. You have family, friends, relationships, kids, grandkids, work, school. And then some of you associated with school, you have homework, you have teams, you have clubs that you're a part of, you have hobbies that you enjoy. You have places to go. You have people to see. You have responsibilities to fulfill. You have bills to pay. Life is busy. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, we can allow the busyness of life to distract us from Jesus. We can allow the busyness of the present moment to distract us from the One who has given us life. The one who sustains our life. Maybe you're distracted from Jesus this morning and it's because of how busy your life is. You have something going on every single night throughout the week and I just don't have time to focus on Jesus. And you can relate to how Martha is feeling. Maybe you feel like you're completely alone. You have this list of of items to accomplish. This this laundry list of things to do. And there's nobody to help you. I have to do all of this by myself. Maybe you're busy and, and it's caused you to feel anxious. And your heart is filled up with worry and anxiety. Maybe you're so busy that you feel like you're completely overwhelmed. You're troubled not just with some things, but with many things. Life is busy. I wish I could change that. Life is busy. There's nothing we could do about that. But you know what we can do? We can change how we respond to it. Life is busy. We can't change that. But what we can change is how we respond to the busyness of life. So consider this question for just a minute. Instead of being distracted from Jesus, when our lives get really busy, how can we be disciples of Jesus? Because that's what I want to be. What about you? Don't you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Don't you want to be a student, a learner, a follower of Jesus, regardless of how busy life gets? How can we do that? When my life is busy, instead of being distracted from Jesus, how can I be a disciple of Jesus? Well, we spent the majority of our time this morning talking about Martha. Let's spend just a few minutes talking about her younger sister, Mary. What was Mary doing when all of this was going on? When Martha was busy with her serving and she was distracted from Jesus, what was Mary doing? Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. What was she doing? She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. Back in this time, Jewish rabbis, Jewish teachers, had disciples. All day, every day, those disciples would sit at their rabbi's feet and hang on every word that their rabbi had to say. They would sit at their teacher's feet and listen to their teacher's teaching for several hours at a time. That's exactly what Mary is doing. 
Mary is taking the position of a disciple. And what's so amazing about that is according to Jewish tradition, over, only males over the age of 12 were allowed to serve as disciples. What she is doing completely breaks the mold of her culture. What she's doing completely goes against societal and cultural expectations. See, Mary's supposed to be doing the cooking according to culture. She's supposed to be cleaning the house. She's supposed to be a good host preparing things for the guest that has been brought into her sister's house, but that's not what she's doing. She doesn't get caught up in all of that. Instead, she's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening, hanging on to every single word that Jesus has to say, and that's why her sister Martha was so angry with her. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, the Bible says that Martha, of course, was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, pause for just a second, Martha's so busy that she doesn't have time to sit at Jesus' feet, but what she does have time for is to stand in front of Jesus and say, here's how things should go. She's so distracted, she's so busy that she doesn't have time to listen to Jesus, but she does have time to point her finger in Jesus' face and say, hey, here's what you should be doing. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Jesus, do you not care that I'm doing all this by myself? Do you not care that my sister here is skipping out on the housework? Do you not care that she's not doing what she's supposed to do? Apparently she'll listen to you. She's been on the floor listening to you for about an hour and a half. Tell her to get up and help me. How does Jesus respond? I think his response is so beautiful. Verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You asked me a question about your sister, Martha, but before we talk about her, let's talk about you. Before we talk about where she is and what she's doing, let's talk about where you are. Let's talk about what you're doing. Oh, Martha, Martha. You are anxious, you're worried, you're troubled, you're overwhelmed, you're distracted. So first understand that. And now let's talk about your sister in verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But let's talk about your sister. You're asking me about what she's doing. Let's talk about what she's doing. Mary chose the one thing that was necessary. She chose the one thing that was essential. Did Martha choose something that was necessary or essential? Did the house have to be cleaned right then? Did the food have to be prepared right then in that moment? It did. Martha didn't choose the one thing that's necessary. She didn't choose the one thing that's essential. Martha chose something that was secondary. Mary, on the other hand, in sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to Jesus' teaching, she chose the one thing that mattered. The one thing that was essential. The one thing that was necessary. Jesus says that Mary has chosen the good portion. Do you know what that means? It means that Mary made the right choice. Have you thought about Mary was faced with the same decision that Martha was faced with? Mary was faced with the same busyness. Either I can cook, I can clean, I can be very busy and allow Jesus to, to just sit under our roof, or as Jesus sits under our roof, I can sit at His feet 
And I can listen to what he has to say and hang on his every single word. She was faced with the same decision that Martha was faced with. Martha chose the bad portion. Mary chose the good portion. Martha made the wrong choice. Mary made the right choice. Why is it the right choice? Well, Jesus says what Mary chose will not be taken away from her. Think about what Martha chose. Could that be taken away from her? Well, you clean the house one time and you never have to clean it again, right? You cook dinner one time and you're never going to have to cook anything else. That's never going to be taken from you. And Martha chose something that could be taken away from her. Mary didn't. In sitting at Jesus' feet, what she gains from that, what she receives from that, the benefit that she has from spending time with Jesus is something that would never be taken away from her, something that would impact her life, not just here for a few years or for a few moments, but into all of an eternity. So let's circle back to this question. You think about what's the difference between these two ladies? They're sisters. In many ways, they're both very similar to one another. You imagine they might have looked the same. They might have acted the same. They might have spoke in the same way. But when we look at this text, the difference between these two ladies is that Martha was distracted and Mary was a disciple. Because of the busyness of her present moment, Martha was distracted from Jesus, but Mary was a disciple of Jesus. So now let's circle back to this question. Instead of being distracted, when our lives get really busy, and there's a lot going on, and the schedule's filled up, instead of being distracted, how can we be disciples? Well, I think that we learn from Mary a powerful example, a powerful lesson, that if we're going to be disciples of King Jesus, then we must choose to make time to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to Jesus' teaching. We're not talking about something that's optional here. We're not putting out the options and saying, hey, if you want to be a disciple, here's option A, B, C, and D. You pick the one that you like the best. You pick the one that you'll be most comfortable with. No, we're saying if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, then this is something that you must do. This is a choice that you must make. You must choose, be intentional about making time to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to Jesus' teaching. But Tyler, my life is really busy. You don't know all that I have going on. You're right. I don't know all that you have going on. I know that your life is really, really busy. But something else that I also know, according to Holy Scripture, is that if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, then we have to spend time with Jesus. We have to spend time listening to His voice. If you have to make time for it, then make time for it. If you have to eliminate something in your life, then eliminate it. If you have to get rid of something, instead of going out tonight, instead of doing this tonight, I'm going to take 30 or 45 minutes to spend some time at Jesus' feet. If you have to do that, then do it. Because if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to choose to make time for Jesus. It's true that we make time for the things we prioritize throughout the week, don't we? You know that to be true. We do what we want to do throughout the week. Even if our week is really busy, we're going to get done the things that we prioritize. We have to prioritize Jesus. 
We have to prioritize our relationships with Him. If you want to be a disciple instead of being distracted, then be intentional about spending time at Jesus' feet listening to what Jesus has to say. Spending time in His Word, hanging on every single word, allowing Him to transform you. Because when you do that, you're choosing the one thing that's essential. You're choosing the one thing that's necessary. It might seem like this isn't the case sometimes, but the only thing that's essential in your life is your relationship with Jesus. There is nothing else in your life that is primary or necessary or essential than your relationship with Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Everything else should take the second seat. Everything else should take the second fiddle. When you choose to spend time with Jesus, you're investing into something that truly matters, the only thing that truly matters. You're choosing the good portion. You're making the right choice. When you're faced with the decision of, well, I can do this, and I can be really busy, and I can get caught up in that busyness, or I can take 15, 20, 30 minutes in my day to spend time with Jesus. When you choose to spend time with Jesus, you're making the right choice. You're choosing the good portion. Because that's something that can't be taken away from you. Everything you have right now in your life can be taken from you. Your health, your family, your friends, your prosperity, your house, your car, your job, your position. Read the book of Job and tell me that physical things can't be taken away from us. When you sit at the feet of Jesus and you spend time listening to His voice, that is something that can't be taken away from you. That is a benefit that you will gain that will impact your life and transform your life. Not just here, but hereafter. Not just for a few days or weeks or months, but into all of an eternity. So ultimately, the question is, are you distracted? Or are you a disciple? Are you a Mary? Or are you a Martha? Have you invited Jesus into your life only to become distracted from Him? Or have you invited Jesus into your life and spent time every day sitting at His feet, listening to His teaching, being the person who He wants you to be. Maybe it's the case that you're not a disciple, and you've never made the decision to be a disciple. Well, the moment where that takes place is in baptism. Jesus tells us to make disciples, and the first thing we do to make disciples in Matthew the 28th chapter is by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. If you need to make that decision, if you're ready to make that decision this morning, then what's holding you back? Maybe you take a look at your life as you take a look at this text and you realize, I am distracted. And I'm not where I need to be. Maybe it's worldliness. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's something else. If you're distracted from Jesus... We'd like to help you. We'd like to encourage you as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you distracted? Or are you a disciple? And really the question is, as you look throughout the next week, will you be distracted? Or will you be a disciple? The choice is yours as we stand and as we sing.